So if you kept the electric blanket off over the next five or six months, then what we could do with the money that you save, we could put it to it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, today, I want to I keep unpacking, if I can, some of the stuff that we've been looking at over the last few weeks because we've been chatting about eternal life, that eternal life is for now. The Bible talks about eternal life is knowing God and that knowing is a close intimate personal relationship with him and then we've been looking at joy because when we actually step into that eternal life now uh, we are full of joy joy is not necessarily happiness because we can still have joy in amongst the turmoils the stuff that we go through in life that's one of the things living and walking in eternal life is one of the things that should set us as christians as believers in jesus apart really people should be wondering why in our mourning we can still have joy. You know, um, there's a, a lovely passage of scripture I was thinking of as we were singing this morning, and so I looked it up just uh, while we were going through offering and communion. But in Nehemiah 8, um, chapter 8, it's, it's where they start to open up uh, the, the word, the law. Uh, Ezra starts to teach the Israelites about the word of God because they were unaware. Um, and it gets to this particular part where, where Nehemiah actually says, he says, Go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing uh, prepared. This day sacred to our Lord. And then he says, Do not grieve. It, do, it doesn't say, If you can, don't grieve. Oh, I just love this. It says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. So the Levites calmed all the people because as they were reading the word, they started to freak out because they realized they weren't living the way that they should be living, yeah, as, as this was brought to them. And so they finally get calm and it says they, they calmed them by saying, be still for this is the sacred day, do not grieve. And then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that have been made known to them. I... I Love that, and this is just a thought. As the word and the words became, became known to them, they had great joy. They were grieving because as they understood what they missed out on, yeah, they were disappointed, upset, frustrated. But as they came to understand the word, they were filled with great joy and they were able to celebrate to the extent where they stopped grieving. The reason I love that thought is because when we come to the knowledge of the word Jesus, yeah, regardless of what we might be going through, the knowledge of him, that close, personal, intimate relationship with him, now stepping into living eternal life that he begins now, the minute we say yes, we can be full of joy all the time. That's great, isn't it? Everyone says with three smiles in the whole auditorium. I understand some people love sucking on lemons. People love that look, you know, love, some people love, but you can actually, we can be joyous. And I think, you know, the fact that it's in the word, I'm really sorry, but there are times where we can actually stop mourning, stop grieving, because that stuff doesn't stop. Life keeps going, but we can actually stop in the middle of that and still be full of joy because we know him, because we're intimate, we're close, we have a personal relationship. And where I want to go today is I, I want to be able to teach a little bit because it's nice to know that we can have this joy. It's nice to know that we can have this joy by getting to know him, 
It's nice to know that we can have this joy because as we know him, we're experiencing eternal life now. But there's a truth that's interwoven in all of that that we also have an enemy, the devil, that wants to rob you of your faith, wants to rob you of your peace, wants to rob you of your joy. So here we have this conundrum where we can be joyful, yeah? And I'm not saying happy, clappy, happy, you know? Um, sometimes life's just not like that. But in that, we can still have our joy that's full, joyful, knowing at the same time that we can grab hold of that, yet there's an enemy that doesn't want us to step near it and will work tirelessly to make sure that our joy is robbed from us. You know, have you ever gone to bed at night? All of you have gone to bed at night. That was really, it's rhetorical question for those that answered. It wasn't one that you needed to answer, but that's okay. I understand the need for some. So you've gone to bed at night and you've woken up and you went to bed okay, but you've woken up and you know you get that saying, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. All of a sudden you're just like, you're not feeling like you did when you went to bed. Yeah, you're a little bit, uh, you don't feel like doing anything. I don't know if any of you have ever had the moment where you're in bed and it's not because it's warm. It's not because the electric blanket's on. But you don't want to get out. You just, you'd rather just stay in there all day. Something's shifted and changed that's robbed us of our joy, yeah? And it's happened overnight even while we were asleep. So I think we need to be aware that there's an enemy that wants to rob us of that peace, that wants to rob us of that joy, but we have a God that wants us to live life to the full, wants us to live an eternal life that is joy-filled now. And so I want to look at that today. Is that all right? Some of the things that we need to be aware of that will try to steal our joy, because if we know what they are, well, then we can make sure that we work against them with Holy Spirit so to keep our joy full. Yeah, if we know that we've got a tap at home, you know, we've got a hose that's attached to the tap and we know that that hose is leaking whenever it's on because there's a hole, we'll fix the hole. So we want, if we know these things, we can fix the issue that robs us of our joy. So we're going to pray, we'll jump into it, we're going to jump into Galatians in a moment and then we'll go from there. So Father, we just thank you that we can be joyful, that we can be joyful people. Lord, we thank you that we can know you personally, closely in intimate relationship. We thank you that we can walk in eternal life with you now to know you from the moment that we've said yes to your son, Jesus. And Father, we just pray in this space that as we move forward with you, that we would learn what some of the, the, the shifty plans are of the enemy, that Lord, through Holy Spirit, we can defeat them and keep walking strongly in you and with you because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, Lord, strengthen us today with your joy, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Cool. So, before Paul wrote um, to the church in Galatia about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he actually wrote Galatians 4. I I know that's a surprise. There's often great revelation that comes out when you listen closely. (laughs) But Galatians 4.15, it says this, it says, What has happened to all your joy? I can testify, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So here's Paul, and he's asking the church in Galatia, what's happened to all your joy? You were so full of joy 
then I could have come up to you and said, Hey, Ross, I need your right eye. And you would have gladly ripped it out and given it to me. Now, that's a pretty extreme example, don't you think? That joy is pretty full. If Paul's writing, what's happened to it? That I could have asked you for something like that and you would have joyously done it. What's happened to your joy? You were so full once, but now it's gone. Where did it go? I actually think we should ask ourselves that question whenever we have those moments that we know that our joy is lacking. Yeah? What's happened to it? You know, wh- where did it go? It was there. I, I was okay. If you speak to, to Melanie, she's out in Kids Church today. We took Samuel to basketball last night. They won their game. I, I'm one of those parents that love to barrack. Um, I like to barrack in a way that frustrates other parents. It's, it's just, no, I won't show you. It's just, it's just a little bit of, it's, it, it excites me to know that I've frustrated others at times. You know, you, know, you, you barrack in a way that it's, you almost make out that their team has no chance. You may as well sit silently while we demolish you. You know, and that gives me great satisfaction. But that aside, we were... We were there at the basketball and, and, and the team won and, and all that. And on the way home, I said to Mel, the noise is getting to me. She goes, well, I said, the noise is just getting to me. I need to get home. And something shifted in my joy. She goes, when we get home, you should just go sit in the bedroom and just spend some time with the Lord, just five, ten minutes. Because something shifted. I don't know what it was. I, I still don't know what it was. Like what the kids weren't arguing in the car, but I just felt a shift in myself. And I think we need to be able to ask ourselves in those moments, where, what happened? Where did that joy go? You know, there's an awesome quote by William Barclay, and he says, A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms, and nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm I'm apologising in advance, I'm looking around, right? Has done more harm than its connection with black clothes, and long faces. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I went blue. <laughs> I am, I am. I, yeah, thank you. But isn't that a great quote? Like, a gloomy Christian's a contradiction in terms. And nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with, even if you leave out black clothes, but long faces. You know, often we joke about the people that we have on the front door you know, because we're always looking for people who can greet. And, and people will say, oh, we've got a stack of people that can be at the front door greeting. Well, actually, no, some people look like they've just eaten a lemon before they've stood at the front door. I don't want to be greeted by someone who just chewed on a lemon. If, if you're a visitor, if you're a guest with us, when you walk in, you want to see a smile and white teeth and a, a handshake and welcome, this is so good, rather than welcome to Mount Clear today. You know, no one wants to be Lurch from the Adams family. We don't need that at the front door. We need people that are joyful, yeah? So we, we need to always remember, in, like Ephesians 6 captures it so well, that for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We should have joy even when stuff is not going well, but we've got an enemy that we're fighting against that we cannot see at times. And he's going to do everything to rob you of your joy. He's going to do everything to rob you of your peace. Yeah? He ultimately wants to rob you of your faith. 
Why did I lose joy in, that, in the car last night? I had no idea. I was driving along, things were happy. I've got my new button to start the car because the key doesn't work. My callus now can be softened and my fingers can be su- supple and soft again with moisturiser. I'm looking forward to life. It's all good. I don't know why I had that moment. It all rests, to be joyful all rests with us, getting to know him. Getting to know him is having eternal life. Yeah, Close, intimate, personal relationship with him. Trusting, actually trusting him in every situation, even when you're in a situation that looks like there's no answer. Yeah, There is no answer. Trusting him when there isn't an answer because the situation can't be changed. The loved one's passed away. You know, someone's ill and it's, uh, it's terminal. Something that, you know, we know the Lord can change it, but it can't be changed at the moment. Somewhere in that, we can still be joyful, full of joy. So what are some of the things that can rob us of our joy? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Because I figure that once we get this down pat, then we'll have a whole church that can greet at the front door. Wouldn't that be awesome? Everyone said, yeah, look at that. See how quickly they're on it? Ah. So what steals us of our joy? One of the things that can steal us of our joy is expectations, unsatisfied expectations, things that you would like, perceive, dreamed of, hoped for, that have never, ever come to pass, not at the moment. You know, again, this is probably just me and only... Just just me. But do you ever feel like you're just going through joyless routines every day? Get up, brush your teeth, have your shower, or have your shower, brush your teeth, have breakfast. Oh, I should have brushed my teeth after breakfast. Get the kids off their Xbox, get them in their school uniform, raise your voice, because there's a difference between raising voice and yelling. Mel's learning that now. Well, at least in an Italian family, there's a difference between yelling and raising your voice. Raising your voice is only just a little bit louder than speaking. It's much different to yelling, you know. So it's really important that you all understand that. One day you may come to my house and find that I've raised my voice. I wasn't yelling. Okay, glad we got that straight. Now, if truth be told, I reckon, some of us... uh, unhappy with the way our lives are progressing. If you were to really look at your day-to-day, I think that we all have moments where we think, man, I'm just this is, you know, I would never say it in church, but if we weren't in church, we would say it sucks. It's just not good, you know. It's just, life's terrible. It's yuck, you know. Kids aren't behaving the way that they should. My, my spouse isn't living up to my lofty expectations. They can't see the wonderful the wonder that you are and all the wonderful things that you do, you know, those moments at home. Or you're living in a home that you wish was smaller or maybe you wish it was bigger. Maybe you wanted a better job or you wanted a job that paid you more. You know, life can and and does at times become a real grind. And when we're unhappy with everything around us, like when we're not content, when we're discontent, a spirit of discontent will rob you of joy, totally rob you of joy, absolutely smash it, steal it, and throw it away, yeah? 
I guess that's why Paul uttered the words he did in Philippians 4.12. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty and I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You know, I, I, I really appreciate this passage of Scripture because I'm not sure if you saw it. I often haven't seen it until doing some study for this recently. But it's right there. And here it comes. There's a secret to being content. Do you know he never really unpacks it? He's just said he's, he's found it. He's learnt the secret. Thanks very much. That's like someone saying to you, hey, I have the Tats Lotto numbers for this Saturday. And you go, awesome. But they never continue the, the conversation. That's just where it ends. Hey, Ben, I've got the numbers for Tats Lotto this Saturday. And then I just walk away. Like, you'd be so frustrated. Paul goes, I have learned the secret of being content. Of, you know, being content in every situation, whether I've got stacks, whether I've got little, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm not hungry, I've learned how to be content. That's what he does. What I discovered in that little phrase, I've learned the secret, is that being content is something that can be found, something that he found, something that we can find. There's a mystery about being content, something that you and I can actually decide to start to be a bit of an Indiana Jones and go on a discovery tour, yeah, to find out what it is. But Paul had to learn how to live with these expectations that he had of himself that were unsatisfied, things that didn't go as well as he'd hoped for, yeah, things that weren't rosy for him in life. You know, like Paul, we need to learn to live with plenty or live with little. We have to learn the secret to being content. Because if we're discontent, discontentment, the spirit of that will rob us of joy, yeah? I don't want to be someone who's joyless. I want to be joyful to the brim. And if we can't learn to be content in all things, then we'll, we will be in misery. <laughs> in fact, if we can't learn to be content, if we're living in discontent, we will be a misery. You ever spent time with someone and you walked away? And not that you, I know that I know none of you would ever, 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 again, it's just me, and you thought the words, I will never get that time back. It's lost forever. Wow, there's a part of my life that's gone. I've sacrificed it on the altar. <laughs> like, it's just, see you later. I know you never think that when you spend time with people. And I don't think that about any of you, I promise. But there are times, yeah, where you spend time with someone who's just so discontent in their life that you walk away and it has an effect on you because when you live in that, you actually not only live in misery, you become a misery. That's why God wants us to live a life that's abundant, that's eternal, that knows him, that's filled with his joy, that's our strength. You know, look at what Paul went through in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11. And says, verse 23 starts, Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. So are you servants of Christ? That would be like me saying, are you servants of Christ? I am more. This is Paul. He starts to speak, right? He goes, I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I love it. It's not because of the wonderful things he's done that he's suggesting that he's more. Yeah, I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, 
It's like saying, I have been beaten up more than you, Laurie. You know, <laughs> flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the moon. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I had to eat tofu once. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I I'll slip that in, sorry. And I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food I've been cold he says all of this yet this is a man that also says that he's learned how to be content he is joyful to the brim joyful it didn't matter what he was going through he was just full of joy because contentment doesn't come when we have everything we want it comes when we want everything we have yeah if you take anything away take that it doesn't come when we have everything we want it comes when we want everything we have Paul had learned the secret to being content which allowed him to live in his eternal life with the Lord going through all of that and still was able to keep his joy that's exciting stuff because if that's him we've got this you and I we have got this Life is going to be a breeze. We are going to be the most joy-filled and full people in Ballarat. If he was able to do it, so certainly can we. It's because joy comes from Papa. There's a secret to that that we'll learn as we sit with him. As we get to know him, as we grow in our eternal life now, we'll find that our joy will be filled. You know, Mel, my wife's a great example because whenever she's feeling you know, under the pump, under the weather, life circumstances are just starting to beat a little bit hard. She just goes away in her bedroom. She puts on some worship music. She opens her Bible. She grabs one of her books off her Kindle and she just starts to spend time in his presence, yeah? She comes away and she seems to be okay all of a sudden. When it, I think I shared last week, whenever I say to Mel, I'm feeling a bit, uh, you know, her first question is, have you spent time with the Lord? Have you sat in his presence? And that's when I leave and I go and ring up one of my friends that'll give me good advice, you know? <laughs> because sometimes it's hard. It's really simple to live in your eternal life now, but sometimes it's hard. But the reward from it, why would we ever not? You know, what about unresolved conflict? I love this one because it happens in churches all over the world. It's always conflict in churches. If you're from any sort of European background, there's conflict in families, yeah? Unresolved conflict. This one's so important because our joy can disappear if we allow conflict between ourselves and another person to go on. Our joy. You know, you might just think, you know, you, he's, they've offended you, she has, he has, or you've offended them, but it's your joy that's being robbed. It's your joy that's being robbed. You know, when we hold on to an offence, it actually takes up mental and emotional, you know, um, areas of our life our mental and emotional attention it takes all of that up and you know what happens we actually have little time left for God because we have little strength left because our joy has been stolen and it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength that allows us to get up again under the weight of our cross 
and get up again under the weight of our cross, yeah? I know some of you are thinking, oh, Pastor, I, I, I would never let that happen to me. <laughs> That's awesome. But you know what? It seems that conflict and, and offence seems to sneak in. It begins as a seed that grows. You know, um, I was having a conversation and I was trying to narrow it down this morning. I've been having a conversation with Ross but also with, with Stephen and they both said similar things and it came up in maybe the guys that we've been praying with would remember. But we were talking about offence. You know, people often carry an offence. They've been offended by someone. And the, the truth is that offence, when you allow that conflict, that unresolved conflict to remain, it robs you of joy. But what, what these two men said, and they can vaguely remember, it seems to have stuck with me, but I wish I had word, got it down word for word. But it was along the lines, when I realised there's an offence there, I realised that's the moment that I have to realign myself back with the Lord. That's the moment that I have to sit with him again because it's not just affecting the person that's offended with me or I'm offended with, it's now affecting my life. I see it affecting my life. So I have to realign with God. And that's, that's what conflict does that's what offense does because anger can cloud the eyes of your heart it just does anger does it it hide, it actually hides our view of god and it drains you of joy hebrews 12 uh, verse 14 on says make every effort to live in peace with some men with a handful with a couple only those from our clear church of christ only those at Cadinia, only those at York Street, only those that live in my street, only those that are in my house. That's what it says. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. See, when you're not living in peace, when there's unresolved conflict, when there's offence, this is how deep it goes. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. They miss the grace of God when we are carrying an offence, when we've left unresolved conflict and we wonder why our joy is stolen, they miss the grace of God. And then it goes on and says, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. We can't allow, as Christians, relational you know, breakdowns to, to continue if we want to be joyful. And it might, even be, might not even be church-related, it just might be in your families. Yeah? It might be with the uncle or the auntie or the long-lost son or whatever it might be, an old friend, an old uncle. You know, there are just some things in life that we need to do our very best to resolve. Once we've done our part, then it's done. Yeah? But if we don't, if we hold on to that conflict, unresolved conflict, it will turn into a root, a bitter root, that grows into offence. And when that happens, people miss out on grace. Your joy stolen. You wonder why you're not allowed to serve at the door at church. That's why. If we're to go back, if we're to wind the clock back, it's got nothing to do with a lemon. It's that you've got an offence against someone and your joy's been stolen and now we're getting down to the root cause. That's why you can't serve at the door. Fruit of joy gets squashed in our life when we keep a record of other people's mess-ups. The fruit of joy gets squashed in our life when we only remember what they've done wrong to us. Yeah, Philippians 2.2 says, then make my joy complete. Yeah? Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Yeah? 
make my joy complete. There's a certain joy that comes, that's made complete when you're like-minded with someone with the same spirit and purpose. You can find people with the same spirit and purpose, possibly at your football club, soccer clubs, RSLs, your knitting groups, your etch-a-sketch clubs, you know, your quilters, I don't know, wherever you feel happy. But if you're going to be like-minded in spirit and purpose completely, you will only find that amongst your brothers and sisters in the house of God, family of God. That's where you will find it. Your joy will be made complete when you actually have relationship and fellowship with people that are like-minded of spirit and purpose, yeah, that are aligned with Father God. I love this because this for me is revelation. We are, you and I, to pursue peace with all men yeah, and women. We are to pursue peace with all of mankind, with all of God's wonderful creation. But we seek joy in the fellowship of believers. You've got to understand this. Yeah? You will not get joy from people that are outside of the family of God. You'll have fun, but your spirits won't testify. You ever thought about Psalm 1? Because Psalm 1 was always confusing to me. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Basically, it's talking about people that don't, don't love God, don't love Jesus. That's what it's saying. It's saying, you know, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with them, that doesn't spend time with them. I, I grew up and went to a church that was quite cultish when I got saved, and mate, we were supposed to cut people off that didn't love Jesus. Anyone ever heard of people that have been involved in, you know, cultish-type practices like that? Cut them off! They're no good for you! They're going to rob you of life. You know, there's some truth in all of that. But it doesn't weigh up really well when you're thinking about Jesus' words when he says, you're to love one another the way that I've loved you. You know, how will they know that you're my disciples unless you love them? Scripture after scripture is talking about us loving each other but also reaching out, you know, because he left the 99 for the one. So you've got Psalm 1 that's some truth because the Old Testament has got some, some wonderful truth in understanding the heart of God. But if it's misinterpreted or it's taken out of context, we actually end up doing what I did and what friends of mine did and cutting off family members because they didn't believe in Jesus. They weren't going to allow us to grow in our faith, so we're not going to spend time with them, cut off old friends, throw out old albums because they're evil and wicked. Like anyone else been there? I know, just me. You're thinking, oh, this pastor's worse than I thought. Yeah. God, God has revealed something for me in light of what we were looking at in Philippians before. Where to seek peace with all people. I'm not supposed to cut people off. I'm supposed to love everyone. I'm supposed to embrace everyone and I'm supposed to bring them into my world. Yeah, I'm not supposed to leave people out so that I'll be okay. Because if I'm cutting people out so I'll be okay, then they're never going to be okay. They'll never discover the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of Jesus. They'll never discover that because I haven't given them the time of day. What it's saying is when you're with people, don't expect... Don't expect to come away full of the joy of the Lord you know, with people that are mockers, with people that are sinners. Don't expect that. When it's saying don't walk in step, it's saying don't make your life revolve around 
everybody else. Yes, you're to live in peace with everybody else. You need to make space for everybody else. You need to show them the gospel. But for your own soul, your life, your walk, seek joy in the fellowship of those that are like-minded, yeah, in spirit and purpose, those that love Jesus. So when the Bible says our spirits testify, I can spend time with Laurie and we mightn't talk about a lot because I don't talk much. Laurie doesn't talk a great deal, you know. And so between the two of us, our conversation may be limited, yeah, but because we are like-minded in spirit and purpose, I come away thinking, what a great time. It was so nice hanging out with Laurie. Look, I just had a good time. Now, I could go and catch up with someone that doesn't believe in Jesus and go and have a coffee or two or three because I like my coffee. We can have a conversation about the Western Bulldogs, how they may never win another grand final again in my lifetime. You know, um, we're, we're praying and hoping though. Um, come away from that and still feel, though I had a nice time and we talked heaps, feeling flat because we're not of like we're not like-minded of spirit and purpose. The joy that's going to fill me up is going to come in the fellowship and I need to seek it in the fellowship of believers. Not just in this house, in any house. Spend time with everyone. Be at peace with all people. Ensure that they discover the gospel. But don't be so heavy-handed on that side because you may find that you'll be joyless, not joyful. Yeah? Does that make any sense? We need to be aware of that because some of us are evangelistic in nature, in nature. We want to win the world. And we want to be out there and make sure everyone knows how good God is. But we forget to spend time with those that actually the Bible tell us, tells us it's going to fill our spirit and that our joy will be complete. Yeah? I want to be someone that lives in joy. Amen? I'm going to finish with this one. And I... Just so we know, yeah, and I've got to be careful how I word this one. Because I want to talk about unrepented sin. Now, are we still sinners? As far as we're concerned in this church, in this leadership, we are no longer sinners. We were sinners that have been saved by grace. Yeah, but the minute we said yes to Jesus, we became sons and daughters of the living God. Sin can't enter heaven, yet the Bible tells us that our citizenship is in heaven, that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So I can't be a sinner and seated there. Is that okay? Yeah? Good. Now, do we still have the propensity to sin? Remembering that sin is really, to break it down, it's really simple. Sin's the thing that separates you from God. Sin is doing your will over and above the will of God. Simple. If you know what the will of God is, you choose to do your own will, that's sin. That will ultimately separate you from him. Now, am I going to sin every day? No. Do I have the propensity to choose what I want to do? Absolutely. Do you? Absolutely. So this is a real joy buster. This, is, this actually sucks us of the joy that's in our lives. yeah? Because there are times in our life that we have chosen to do our thing instead of God's thing. And we know that we have. You, you know, I know when we're not walking the way that we should, you know. Like we, you, just, you just know. It's in your knower. It's in your spirit. You know, yeah. When, when we're walking in that place, 
the best thing for us to do is in knowing God, in living in eternal life, is just coming before him and saying, you know what, God? Man, I'm really struggling with that. You asked me to do this, but I'm just, I don't want, I just, I, I'm just, I don't know. I need your help, yeah? Often when we bring our struggles, the darkness to the light, the darkness must flee. We just need to talk about it, yeah? It's not because we're sinners and we have to go to confession. That's not right, yeah? That, that's not right. We're not sinners that need to go to confession. But when we have the propensity to still do something that's our call, our choice, our will, then what we need to do is bring our place to humbly before the Lord where we bring it to him. Yeah, Because King David is such a wonderful example. He tried to ignore the Holy Spirit and he refused to repent. Yeah, But he seems to have stopped long enough and considered this thing that he, he changes heart. In Psalm 32... It reads, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, yeah, when you've not shared that moment, that stuff, you know you're not walking in sync, but you're trying to work it through, but you've not actually shared it with God, the one that you're supposed to be walking in eternal life with. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me because you know your spirit testifies. There's a heaviness that comes on you when you're, when you're walking out of step with the Lord. Yeah, for the day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. The guilt is what will rob you of your joy. The guilt is what will keep you joyless. I have met men and women over and over and over again who they are sons and daughters of the living God, but they have these seasons where they're so guilty because they haven't walked in sync with God, but they haven't been able to share it with him in a way that he's taken it from them. I love the way the NLT version puts that passage of Scripture. It reads better. It just reads better in the NLT. Oh, what joy, yeah? For those whose disobedience is forgiven. Oh, what joy, yeah? Whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, refused to confess the stuff that I was struggling with, yeah? My body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. As I often, Samuel's here, but I often corner my son with questioning so that he can be honest about something. I already know. He hasn't quite worked out that as a dad, I know everything. From the moment he was born to the moment he dies, there's nothing I don't know. I know it. But every once in a while, I question him in a way and I go, Samuel, what about this? No. Sam, I'm giving you an opportunity here. This is your chance. You can tell me the way it is. If you keep lying, you're going to get into more trouble. But if you tell me the truth, then we can talk about a consequence. He continues on this masquerade of not knowing, you know. But this was David, wasn't it? Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. But finally, I confessed my struggles, my sins, where I chose my will over your will. I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. Yeah, 
I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and my guilt is gone. David, the Bible says, had a heart after God's heart. He was a man that chased after and wanted to be more like God than anyone we could ever read in the Bible, yeah? He wanted more of God. He understood what was needed to live in joy. He understood what was needed. And if, I, I love it because he gets to this understanding. He finally says to the Lord, listen, I'm going to repent. I just need your help. I, I'm struggling to do this thing. What you want me to do, oh, I can't do. I'm doing my stuff. You know, whatever that is, because for each and every one of us, let's face it, it's different, yeah? And then we read in verse 11. It's like after he's repented, after God has forgiven him, after he's received this mercy and grace, it's not because when in relation to us, in this dispensation with Jesus, it's not because we're sinners that need to confess. It's because as sons and daughters of God, we have the propensity to still choose to do our own thing. And in that, sometimes we just need to bring it to the Lord and say, hey, God, I'm really struggling with this, yeah? And when he deals with what our struggle is, with the guilt that's in us, verse 11 says, So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts a pure. David got his joy back. David, from feeling oppressed, now was joy-filled because he realized, I've got this thing in my life. He hid it from God. I can't hide it anymore. It's too heavy a burden to carry. I need to give it to you. And God goes, amen, at last. Pooh, I knew already. That's so good. You're forgiven. All his guilt's gone, and all of a sudden, he's filled with joy again. Yeah? I guess as we live this life, we need to know that there's a joy in life when we're walking the way that Father God wants us to walk. Yeah, There just is. He just doesn't save us for the sake of just leaving us there. So he can say, well, there's one of my children um, and we look like everybody else. We don't look like everybody else. We're sojourners. We're foreigners. We should be different. We've got the power of the living God living inside of us, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have the wonderful gifts and ability to be able to pray for people, to bring peace to situations, to see healing. We are a different people, a called and chosen people. So let's be a people that are aware that the enemy wants our faith and our joy. So when the enemy comes, we can give him the proverbial middle finger. Yeah, so you're not going to take that. You're not going to get that. Oh, okay, I see what you did. I'm carrying an offence with someone. I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to give them a call. I'm going to apologise. I'm going to own my stuff. Oh, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Oh, look at, look at Ross's car. His four-wheel drive is so much better than mine. I want a four-wheel drive like his. And all of a sudden, I get so unhappy. All of a sudden, I'm not living in content. All of a sudden, I'm becoming discontent. And I'm finding that every time I see that Rodeo drive past, I want to throw a grenade at it because all my joy is gone. When I notice those small things happening, I need to be able to learn the secret of being content. Even if I have to drive a Navara and live a nav life, in comparison to being a rodeo. Whatever your situation is, when you're finding that you're no longer content with what you have, stop, spend time with the Lord and learn to be content with everything that you've got. 
Yeah, because outside of that, it's going to rob you of joy. And when you know you're not walking in sync with the Lord, just spend some time with him. That's eternal life. That's knowing him, a close, intimate, personal relationship. He gives us everything that we need to be able to walk in such a way that we can be so full and so filled with joy that it will make no sense that people won't understand us. That when we're at a funeral for someone that we love that's close to us, they won't understand that in our mourning we can still have a joyous step everywhere we go. Yeah, They won't get it. There's that wonderful song by Newsboys, we don't mourn like those who mourn who have no hope because we have a joy that fills us all the time. You know, If we're going to live in eternal life now, if we're going to be full of joy and joyful now, we need to learn to be content. We need to learn to deal with any conflict that's in our lives. You know, with one another, whether it's in this house or outside of this house. But we need to be wise enough too to know if there's stuff that we're, that's unresolved, unrepentant sin, we'll call it. You know, don't think of sin as something that's so bad that you've killed someone, but just where you've chosen your stuff over God's, we just need to bring it before him so that we can receive what he gives freely, and that's mercy and grace, and alleviates all guilt so we can walk the way that we are purposed to walk. Amen. Why don't we stand? There's a practical thing that we need to do. And so I'm going to get the worship team up in a minute. Well, I could come up now, really, if they wanted to. Sorry. Yeah, it was, was a bit cryptic, wasn't it? I know. I was waiting for you to discover the secret. Um, there's a practical thing that we need to do to live in joy as well. We need to choose. We actually need to choose. If we know what the things are that rob us of joy, that's a good thing. We need to know what we need to do to be able to live in eternal life, to know him now. But they're choices that we need to make. Even in knowing how the enemy comes against us, we need to choose to fight those things when they come, yeah? Because there are so many things in life that will rob us of joy. Circumstances, people, distractions. But joy, joy, joy involves a choice. And so I was stoked when you guys started off the service with that song. This, like, I, had no, I didn't know. That we, you know, joy, that we're singing that song about the joy of the Lord, yeah? However the melody goes that I won't sing because I'll do it an injustice. But this is what I, I want to challenge us all. This is not just a praise song, not just a worship song. It's not just a hymn. It's not just words that we're singing in church amongst fellow believers that are like-minded of spirit and purpose. This actually is a declaration. I want this today to be a declaration that we're singing over our life. I'm singing, singing this over my life. I'm singing this over my life. Joy will be my song. Joy, that will be my strength. I might be unhappy today because of circumstances, but joy will get me to take another step. Joy will get me out of bed. Joy will get me to love that unlovely person next door. Joy will get me sharing my faith. It's joy, joy, joy. His joy is my strength. And in that joy, I'm complete. Amen. So let us pray. And then we're going to sing this. Yeah, you can stay in your seats. You can come forward. I don't mind what you do, but this is your expression of joy. We happen to be able to do it in song. Amen. It makes it really easy, but it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Father, today we choose you. Today we choose to be joy-filled, joyful, not joyless. 
Give us, Lord, the wisdom to be able to deal with situations, Lord, where the spirit of discontent is at work, Father. Give us the wisdom to deal with situations where we're, we're ca- carrying an offence, Father, where there's unresolved conflict. And God, more so, Lord, give us the courage to be able to spend time with you when we know we need to bring things in our life, sin in our life that we've been unrepented, Lord, that we just might repent. That, Lord, all of those things might be done away with, that we just might live in personal, close, intimate relationship with you, full of your joy, full of your life, abundant as you've promised. So we declare this day through this song, this will be the life that we live. This is the choice that we make today, God, to be full of joy, to be full of joy.
beside us, the person we work with, the person we're at school with, Lord, the person we walk our dog with, they have not seen us until they have seen us filled with joy. Father, may we be a people that are so joyful and joy-filled, Lord, that those around us would discover the real us, the true us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. And we pray, God, that you will place it in our hearts, Lord, but it just wouldn't sit there silent Lord that it would be bubbling up Lord that it Lord it would slowly grow into something uncontrollable <laughs> that your joy would be so full in our lives amen